Hello and welcome to the BG Podcast. My name is AJ Bingham, CEO of Bingham Group. And joining me is Hannah Garcia, an associate with the firm. And this is episode 225 of the BG Podcast. Where's the time gone? I know. Every day I wake up and I'm like, how is it December? It was March yesterday. I would say, yeah, where's the year gone? Yeah. I mean, we have, uh, it's December 1st, we're recording this on a Friday. And we have 30 days left in the year of 2023 and 30 days left in the quarter as well. So um, off we go. Um, we're going to start with just some, some uh, a topic we, t- we touched on the last several weeks, but it's the home initiative. And this, again, is the home options for middle income empowerment. And so this was a res- the, this is phase one that was uh, sponsored by council member Leslie Poole, District 7. And this is one of several initiatives that she's led on in the, the later part of this year around housing. And so mm-hmm. and very, very prominent initiatives, too, from a member who... If this had been this time last year, we wouldn't have. This wouldn't have been from her. It's more what I thought this was coming from her. So really interesting stuff. But council was brought it up just for discussion at work session this prior Tuesday. It'll be up for a special session of council next uh, Thursday on the se- December seventh. But hey, let's get into some of the stuff we talked about at work session. Yeah, yeah, and for all my all my. Uh fellow land use nerds or people that want to get into the you know the weeds and the technical stuff that's happening around this I definitely encourage you to go back and watch uh, Tuesday's work session you can find that on ATXN we'll have we'll have a link to that in the show notes too yeah yeah and so um, two local architects from the um, AIAI the American Institute of Architects Housing Committee spoke on um, a lot of the technical aspects of home including like how much um, concrete you can pour. Um, We often see that referred to as impervious cover, as well as the um, FAR, which is the floor to area ratio. So kind of the ratio of the volume of the home or um, unit you're getting. And so um, these are all really important because um, one of the things that uh, we see in Austin right now is um, really, really large units because you're kind of forced to build that. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that they want to do with the home initiative is make sure that these, you know, granny flats, as we often call them, um, these additional um, dwelling units that are built on these single family lots, potentially, um, they're smaller uh, because, you know, these are going to be accessory dwelling units. And so we don't want, you know, to see a giant pool house built. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is, which were some of the, uh, the speculative uh, repercussions of this passing, right? That would have been brought up. Yeah, and and um, you know, I would, I personally would hate to see the home initiative killed due to, or you know, kind of stymied due to, um, you know, the potential of bad actors. I I think that um, obviously people with the means to build giant pool houses are going to build giant pool houses, and they have every right to do that. That that's their land. Um, but you know, I think the people that this is going to potentially affect. And benefit, you know, give them that extra income to potentially lease out, you know, their two um, accessory dwelling units in the back um, are not the people who have the ability to just go out and build a pool house. And so, you know, we definitely don't, I think that a lot of council members, including council member or mayor pro temp Paige Ellis and council member Natasha Hart for Madison really um, spoke very eloquently to that and said, you know, we, we want to make sure that this is benefiting the people that it needs to. And if there's going to be bad actors, there's going to be bad actors. Um, and not necessarily bad actors. They have every right. Just to unintended consequences of the act. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nothing's so, nothing's ever going to be perfect, right? And I mm-hmm. think a lot of times with these po- types of policies, I mean, with any kind of policy, right? I mean, there's always, there's folks who, like, if it's not perfect, we don't want it. And no one's going to claim this is perfect, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not imperfect, but I think it's all, you know, I have this discussion just offline with people the last, you know, like two weeks asking my opinion, my opinion on it, rather. And I think ultimately, right, it's, 
a lot of things get knocked because they're 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 good, not great. Yeah. Right. Um, and I think we've, we've seen that with a lot of policy. It's like, you know, you, you get a compromise on something and it's not necessarily what both sides would have deemed as perfect, but it, it meets in the middle and it does exactly what I think this representative democracy we have formed in the United States does. And that's represents everybody the best that it can. Mm -hmm. um, if not, the courts are for, yeah, which we'll yeah. probably see on that. I mean, most likely see something around this as well. Yeah. And I, I, I think this, this could be potentially the home initiative could be um, something that really uh, helps this city because, you know, we're not going to solve this affordability crisis, which I think, you know, all council members have acknowledged we have an affordability crisis, especially related to housing. Um, it's not going to be solved unless we increase the capacity. Mm -hmm. And to increase the capacity, you need to allow more people to build more on what they already currently own. Um, and the hope is that, like, you know, I'm able to buy um, a single family home one day and put, um, you know, a unit in the back so that way, you know, my grandmother and grandfather can live with me or my mother can live with me. Um, these are things that I personally dream about doing. Um, and so um, really excited and I hope that other people also see the potential for the benefits of this. Um, and, you know, I think we're really at the point for with this policy where we're going to start getting down into the weeds of, you know, how much concrete can you pour? How much um, height can you get? Um, and so it's really going to start getting technical. So I encourage everybody to, to, you know, watch and keep keep an eye on this because the technical regulations are really, really what starts to kind of formulate how these houses will look. Um, you know, one of the things I, I always tell people to look at is the McMansion um, standard. You know, people always say, like, I hate the way Austin, the new houses look. Mm -hmm. It's because a lot of it's because of the McMansion standards. And so, um, you know, this, this could potentially make, you know, um, one of the, I always like to point out um, the Miller neighborhood. You know, you see a lot of townhouses there and they look really beautiful. I think, you know, those houses and those townhomes, those duplexes are going to go for a lot in the future because people are going to want that, you know, homey look. And so this is a step in the right direction to kind of um, diversify what Austin looks like. Mm -hmm. And, you, you know, I mean, I take the, the stance to the well, well said on all the points. If we do nothing, if home and home initiative wasn't happening, if nothing was happening, we see the course of Paul of what we're doing now in current policy. What do you what do you speculate? Informed speculation would be the the, the uh, ripple of that of just doing staying this current policy as is. I think we're going to end up with a lot more luxury housing um, because that's what is relatively cheap to build. You know, um, developers have to make money on what they build. Um, They're in business. Yeah, that's that's I would say, you know, you, you don't go into business to not make money. That's just, a, you know, a thing. So they have to make money. And, and right now, hopefully, hopefully, yeah, luxury housing is what's making money. That's why you see, you know, luxury thing, luxury apartments pop up everywhere. Like mm -hmm. um, my family's out in Buda. And so I'm always around the South Park Meadows area. Um, and I'm constantly seeing luxury housing built out there. And I thought, you know, that was something that would never happen. And so. Um, this is going to, I think, really allow developers to potentially build stuff that is not luxury housing mm -hmm. and still make money on it, which is what we need. And a good point I want to raise, too, it's, it's, it's going from highly, it's, it's more affordable or le less expensive versus affordable mm -hmm. with some of this, right? It's, I think a lot of times in the past, years past, right, we get, like, we all agree well, no one can agree what affordable means, mm -hmm. right? Because I'd say in this current market in Austin, I mean, just, I'd, I mean, you look around like half a million dollars, 
for a home is probably in the city and mm -hmm. let's say d d1 d9 d7 d10 for sure is probably affordable yeah right but again what affordability means is going to be a range and so i think it's someone or a family being able to afford a home or deal with a mortgage that's 700 grand versus a home that's 1.2 million there's more people relatively speaking who can go who can go after that hundred thousand dollar home yeah, yeah right and that again that that's not it's you know in absolute terms right that it's 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 is it affordable the sense of like the average Austinite, probably not, right? But it more people can access that unit than could than could previously, potentially. Yeah, and, and um, one of the things that Council Member Natasha Harper Madison spoke um, extremely eloquently on is that um, we have a lot of diversity right now in the city. Um, we have a lot of people serving different um, constituencies across the city. You know, we have baristas, we have small mom and pop businesses. And if they can't afford to live here, we'll lose that fabric in the city. And so um, it's what makes Austin, Austin, you know, the live music scene, um, these small, like little weird businesses, as, as we like to say, you know, keep Austin weird. Um, we're gonna, we're gonna lose that. And, you know, I would hate to see that happen. You know, I love, you know, when I go to council every other Thursday, um, I like to get my coffee. Um, that's my little treat for the day. Um, and, you know, I, I want that to keep going. You know, I'd hate to see a lot of small businesses go under because they can't staff. And I think we're, we're also seeing that a lot of um, businesses are, are going under because they're not able to staff themselves mm -hmm. because, you know, they can't afford to, um, a lot of their people that would potentially work there can't necessarily afford to live within city limits. Well, we've seen this twist with, uh, with the art, with the argument, with the discussion, the debate or the discussion around uh, childcare access, mm -hmm. right? There are folks who, we used to represent a, uh, a nonprofit preschool located in D2, or D2 um, just south of downtown, and they had folks, you know, calling into or reaching out to apply from Kyle, mm -hmm. right, way in Hayes County, way out there, you know, because they just, there's there's demands out there. They have jobs in the city, but the access to childcare isn't there. I mean, it, it all kind of wraps in, right? Yeah. I know there's some Mayor Watson's spoke, he campaigned on, spoke a lot about the parallels tied together of affordable affordable housing and affordable child care access. So more to come on that. Uh, lastly, Councilmember Poole's office posted on the council message, message board last night a a home hub which consolidates all the, the news articles and other information about the home initiative. You can find information about that at www.atxhomecoalition.com. Dot com. We'll have a link to that in the show notes as well, but very concise, um, consolidated re, uh, information on something that it's, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, voices around this. And I'm sure we'll be watching next week at the council meeting, this being the full, full focus, sole focus rather, of their special call meeting. I, uh, I imagine the testimony around that will be robust. Yes. Mm -hmm. More to come on that. Uh, continuing, council passed on consent yesterday um, a resolution that would allow for, or you can speak to this one more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, led by Councilmember Mackenzie Kelly, um, the City Council cons um, passed a res 
a resolution that said adding public safety spaces like fire, police, EMS as a community benefit eligible for the density bonus programs. And so one of the density bonus programs is, you know, you get more height if you include, um, you know, a certain thing. And so a lot of the times, you know, that was a fee in lieu or um, affordable units. And so um, I think this is great. Uh, one of the things we've seen is that um, we're having issues with um, public safety. You know, um, I think earlier in the year, um, the end of 2022, we saw that there, you know, wasn't enough 911 call takers. Mm -hmm. um, we've also seen a lot of, um, I think a lot of police, EMS, and fire can't necessarily afford to live in this city as well. Um, and so just, you know, allowing more of um, that to be a community event, I think is going to be great because, you know, there'll be more funding going into that as well. Well, I think it's also where they're placed, right? So with this, I think the issue with downtown EMS units was, where do they, you know, in between calls, right? Where are you going to, we're going to be? And there's always, there's stations are fixed from the city, but uh, I've seen some downtown, either informally, right? Where you had an EMS truck parked in a garage, right? Just, you know, kind of, kind of in a central zone waiting for a call, mm -hmm. right? And so, um, but yeah, I think it's a, it's a positive policy. We'll see how it, um, how it gets implemented in the next year. I guess, yeah, we will next year. Mm -hmm. And then uh, um, this is another item, uh, which, just, uh, I'm sure we'll be getting a lot of robust testimony around this in the not too distant future, well, next year. Um, but it is a a working group that was uh, from part of the Parks Recreation Board that is a part of their meeting was looking at renaming at Barton Springs. For those who don't know, Barton Springs is the beloved Austin pu uh, public pool, um, historic pool, um, and located in Zilker Park. The the city park and this metropolitan park, which itself had a lot of robust discussion going on last year or so around the proposed revitalization and upkeep of the park. Yes. So let's go more about this. So they're looking at, you know, this, you know, high level history of, of the, of the, of Barton Springs rather, um, like many pools in America, there was a time when Barton Springs was segregated and, uh, that time subsequently passed through the efforts of several civil rights activists in Austin. Um, and a part of the working group's recommendation was to look at potentially renaming the park, renaming the pool rather, uh, after one of those individuals amongst some other names. And so uh, that includes Means Martinez, or includes the jo Joan Means Glebe and David Martinez, who were both uh, who were both essential in desegregating Barton Springs pool, um, amongst others. And so, I'm sure this will be. I don't. I don't see how this doesn't get a lot of uh, very, very impassioned talk, discussion on it on both sides. What yeah, do you think? I I agree. I think you know we've seen um, how that uh, that group is really able to mobilize and mm -hmm. speak on things that they feel strongly about. We saw that with the Zilker Park Vision Plan, um, and I think we'll also see that with this. You know, they've been pushing to do a lot um, around. Um, you know, in, improving the environmental regulations around Barton Springs. Though um, this, yeah. right? So with this, it's not, you know, this doesn't impact the environment at all. Mm -hmm. It's really a, it's a branding thing. Yeah. And yeah. we saw, you know, similarly, to a degree, and I, I remember, what was, what, was this, what was the main street? Like, you're going down, you're going down Barton Springs Road, the one road inter intersects before you get into Bart to Zulker. It's AZ Morton Easy. now. What was it before? I have Robert no e it was Robert E. Lee Road or something oh. like that. I believe it was. It was something Confederate. Mm -hmm. I think it was Robert E. Lee or something like that. That's so tough. That's tough. I'll double check that. Don't fact I should know that off the top of my head, but it's been a while since I actually thought about it. But it was, I think it was definitely Confederate linked. I think it was like Robert E. Lee Road or, 
or some Confederate Confederate general. And that was changed to AZ Morden uh, Road, or it's called, several years ago. This isn't, you know, again, it's a branding thing. Now, Barton Springs is a very, is tied to the city who you are, but again, you know, like, we'll see, right? I, but I think, I think this one, unlike, unlike the, the, the discourse we had around the changing of the physical infrastructure of the park, this is more about, I think, the, just, it's just the, it's the name, right? But it's more, hey, it, the arguments, I think the arguments about keeping it will be interesting to see um, on this one. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, we, the city's renamed a lot of things. One of the things that I think about is, is someone who's been here and been in the area since I was um, born is that, like, um, Town Lake. I still call it Town Lake, even though it's, I think it's technically Lake LBJ now. Oh, that was Lady Bird Lake. Yeah, yeah. Lady Bird Lake. So I still call it Town Lake because that's just what I, you know, I was told when I was like three, that mm -hmm. this is Town Lake. Um, and so I think, you know, um, to change the name, to put a plaque and really, you know, go in on the history and say like this guy wasn't necessarily the greatest guy in the world here's mm -hmm. what he was responsible for and here's who's here's who was responsible for changing that i think that's a great thing mm -hmm. um, i um, i applaud them for calling this out and and you know really pointing out this history um, but i definitely think you're gonna have um people who still call it barton springs even if they change the name oh yeah and yeah. so i mean i call it what like i guess i call it town i came here in 91 i was came as a kid in 91 so i guess i guess i call it town lake late yeah yeah and so um it's complicated but um i definitely am am glad that they're calling out this history because mm -hmm. i think this is something that i personally would not have known yeah. had they not very publicly said this so yeah like, it's one of those things where i, I think you know I, I saw an article this morning at the houston chronicle like rice you know the, i mean the rice the yeah. founder of rice university they were they're not changing the, the name of this university but there was necessarily kind of moving his remains it was moving his remains to even this ties to slavery right yeah. which is not unique this is texas this is america there are a lot of things probably people aren't aware i mean there's the obvious thing the robert e lee or whatever else but a certain certain you know, confederate generals and other people of note who maybe the wrong side of history as it turns out and people just walk by every day i think about it right yeah. and until until working groups these volunteer working groups bring it up and this one I, I, it's interesting to me is given, you know, we, we did record a show recently that we had on someone who really documents and discusses the history of Austin. You don't think about Austin as being a segregated place. Like, you know, I hear Austin, like Austin's in the South, but it's not the South, right? I hear that sometimes. And it is the South. And it was no different than any other place part of the country, right? And um, more to come on that on, on a future episode. But I like... Hopefully, at the very least, this brings to light notable figures in Austin's history that helped shape Austin to what it is today, as well as uh, highlight our, our past and people under, for folks to understand who either have been here for a long time or are new, you know, why Austin is the way it is and, you know, that we're not, it has, it's not just a perfect city. Yeah. yeah. And no city is. I, I love, and I love this town. So more to come on that. And then. Um, so again, council will be meeting next week for a special special called meeting on Thursday the seventh, and their last meeting of the year will be on December fourteenth, and and then from there we'll uh, I don't know they they've set up the council calendar for twenty four they may have already they have, yeah yeah so that'll be they'll we'll have that in a future episode be forthcoming. Other than that, we watching for you know the uh, continually watching for council twenty or city council races announcements for twenty twenty four. Um, as well as other news I'm sure will pop up between now and we talk again next Friday on the 8th. But anything else you want to add, Hannah? Um, 
yeah, um, I guess next week on that December, I believe it's the 7th, mm -hmm. um, big, big council meeting. Um, even if you won't be testifying or you can't make it, I definitely encourage you to watch. I, I definitely think this is going to be a very historic meeting. Um, and so, you know, come out if you can. Um, mm -hmm. If you don't feel comfortable testifying, just watch. It's yeah. history. Echoing that, this would be a great opportunity to see your council process and work. Um, the home initiative is not, it's not, it's not just it's several items in there, but to really, you know, because I think it's, it'll be good for someone who's not necessarily versed in, in city council or city, city hall and everything else to see it because we're focusing on one issue. So timing wise, I mean, you'll might see a lot of testimony, right? But I don't, well, council hasn't gone late night ever this year. Mm -hmm. Let's highlight that as always. So, you know, you can go there at noon and, you know, most likely they'll be done by, when you call it now, you think five o'clock? Five o'clock, yeah. Five o'clock on the dime? I think that we'll have um, close to, I'll say max 500 speakers mm -hmm. on the low end, 300. I'll take. I'll go with you on that. Yeah. So, so that's that's me placing my bet. Right um, now. You think outside protests? Um, I'm not sure. I think there's a lot of things going. Or picketing, on. or some kind of news conference outside. Possibly, I think there'll be you know news conferences from both sides. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, there's definitely been groups that have taken positions on this, mm -hmm. um, and so. Uh, but I'm not sure. I, I think you know everyone's had their their chance to say their piece because we've done such a robust you know community engagement. Which we discussed before the purple um, envelopes and several chances for you know, folks to speak both at a joint planning commission and council meeting. Yeah, yeah, and I think also um, the those who have expressed um, their opposition to this have already indicated that they're going to. Um, potentially do a lawsuit over this if it does pass due to, um, uh, you know, the, the protesting rights. Mm -hmm. And so um, I'm, I'm unsure, but I think, you know, there's, you have every right to protest at your city council meeting. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, exercise that right. You think, what's the wildest thing you think will be said in terms of uh, the uh, ripples of this? Um, <laughs> like it's over the top, like not like the 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 pool the pool the pool house thing is that's legitimately could happen, but what's something if anything? I guess about the home initiative, I've seen like people just straight up say like I don't want renters to move in next to me, mm -hmm. or it's gonna make my neighborhood look dirty. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'd love to see that fleshed out to see like what do you mean by dirty? Mm -hmm. Like what's wrong with renters? Because I'm a renter, um, and like, I think uh, a good amount of council renters too. Yeah, yeah, and so it's like I think. Um, saying you don't want renters to move in, especially when a majority of this city is renters, is a little bit inflammatory mm -hmm. um, and a little bit out there. Yeah, but you're right. You know, it's their right. So we just, we shall see, though. But I agree. I think we they'll wrap between. They'll get. I think they'll be done by five, and I think three hundred to five hundred people speaking or starting to speak anyway. I'm sure there'll be some. I'm sure there'll be some consolidated testimony. Yeah. Is about. Ms. Bell, right. Yeah, and unfortunately, I um, scheduled some travel during this, so I will be purchasing Wi-Fi on the plane. <laughs> I'll watch be watching this. live. So, um, very excited, though. All right. With that, y'all have a great weekend. Have a great weekend.